Welcome to the Market Leaders Podcast, where you'll find valuable marketing and business development insights from legal innovators. The podcast series is brought to you by Ackert, the company behind Practice Boomers, Practice Viewer, and Practice Pipeline, the leading business development pipeline management tool for law firms. Welcome back to the Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Ackert, and today my guest is Rich Bracken, the Director of Business Development at Fredrickson Byron. Rich is also an author, podcast host, and keynote speaker on a variety of topics, including emotional intelligence, which is what we're going to talk to Rich about today. Rich, great to have you with us. Great to be here, David. I appreciate you having me. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your firm. Sure. So I am the Director of Business Development at Fredrickson and Byron here in Minneapolis. Uh, we are an international firm, just over 300 attorneys, and we primarily specialize in corporate business work, uh, mergers and acquisitions, private equity, health law. Um, but we we serve a, a myriad of different clients, and we have a very heightened focus on client service, which will tie into emotional intelligence later on. I am uh, wear many hats, uh, not only Director of Business Development, I also do quite a bit of writing. Uh, both articles, and I'm working on my first book on emotional intelligence, uh, do lots of keynote presentations, and uh, I'm a podcast host myself. So I'm excited to, to speak with another podcast host. It's always fun. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this topic. And I think it's one that not only will resonate with the audience, but something that they could take back to all of their firms and and help spread emotional intelligence throughout. Sounds good. Uh, you've already piqued my interest in the way that you couched emotional intelligence as being related to client service. The term gets thrown about quite a bit. Emotional intelligence uh, is one of those things that I think people uh, believe they understand, but maybe they don't have a grasp of the nuances. How do you define it? So there, there are a lot of different, and I agree, I think it's a buzz term. I think it's a, a very hot topic, but not many people truly grasp what it is. And I think the, the short answer that I give in my presentations is that it's how you identify and manage your emotions how you identify and manage the emotions of others and how that all has this great conversational dance is it's understanding that your emotions are going to be what they are. You're going to be confronted with situations on a day-to-day -day basis that you never see coming. How do you take those situations? How do you manage your triggers and how do you manifest your day in the best way possible? So if you have something that comes at you that maybe disrupts your flow of the day, how do you get back to that point where even on the roughest day, you still are glad that you made it through and you're back to a really good centered focus for yourself. And then how you, you know, enact in things like active listening when you're engaging with other people, body language recognition, and just all of those things wrapped in together are the relationship management piece of it. So it's how am I handling myself? And then how am I also interweaving that with you or whoever I'm working with? You used the word triggers a moment ago, and I'm going to come back to that. You know, we work in an industry that is by and large made up of intellectuals. Uh, lawyers are not people who typically consider themselves to be emotional. In fact, they pride themselves on their ability to make unemotional decisions, both in on behalf of their clients, but also uh, for themselves. Uh, and yet we are all human and we do have uh, emotional reactions and some of them are very subtle. I... Uh, I'm thinking specifically of the emotions that are tied to business development. So for instance, uh, you know, rejection is a big piece of reaching out to prospective clients, trying to navigate relationships and advance them to the next stage uh, in the sales process. And, you know, a lot of times it is the anticipation of an emotion like rejection that keeps someone from taking an action like a business development follow-up. Does that also relate to emotional intelligence as you define it? 
Absolutely. And, and I would love to kind of unpack that in two different responses. One, uh, to your point that, that attorneys are non-emotional to an extent. But when you think about the, the typical emotions of an attorney, those are learned behaviors. And so as they come out of law school, they are taught to look at the negative. They are taught to look for the false. They are taught to look for uh, fault in things. That's what they're trained to do. And so in some of the research that, I, that I've been looking into as I've been preparing all of these presentations, it was interesting that attorneys on, on a personality scale, and this won't be shocking to anybody who's ever come in contact with any attorneys, specifically those that are either listening that are attorneys or that work in the business development or legal marketing field, that skepticism, attorneys are in the 90th percentile of skepticism, which is great when you're doing the nuts and bolts in the black and white of law. But when it comes to trust and collaboration, so think about cross-selling within a firm or collaborating and sharing credit, there is that skeptic in them that is going to make that a more difficult task than it should be. When you think about urgency, they're in the 71st percentile. So they want to be responsive. They want to make decisions quickly. They want to be at their best for their clients. Now, whether those are in-house counsel working for their their in-house clients or it's law firm attorneys that are working for their clients as outside counsel. But at the same time, those that are so worried about responsiveness and so worried about quick decision-making and getting back to the client as quickly as possible, they maybe aren't listening as well as they should. Uh, They're not paying attention to some of the things that are going on in the conversation. So they're listening for the fault. They're listening for the gaps. They're listening for the things that they can correct. They may not be paying attention to body language. They may not be listening to tonality of what their their client is saying. So those are really critical pieces. And then to your point about business development, and again, this is a really uh, a telling statistic, is that attorneys on resilience are in the 30th percentile. Now think about your average person is at the 50th percentile. They're at the 30th percentile in resilience. So they don't like feedback. They're very sensitive to mistakes and failure because they've spent a lot of time and money becoming perfectionists. So when you think about the, the art of business development and the art of sales, I'll use the S word, and it's really critical that you have to be resilient. You have to get used to no. You have to look for the yes at everything. And you have to be able to, to work on nurturing a relationship. That's going to have some no's. That's going to have some not now's. So if you're not used to that, that's a problem. And when we talk about kind of bringing it back to client service, which piqued your interest before, and this is really critical here, a lot of attorneys will not go to their clients and ask for direct feedback. Why? Because they don't want to hear something negative. They don't want to hear that they did something wrong or that they could have done something better. If somebody's giving you feedback, that's a great thing, positive or negative. Because think about the last time you had a really bad consumer experience I, I didn't care to fill out that survey for that, that company that I gave business to that completely bombed their opportunity with me. I didn't, I don't want to bother with that. I didn't want to bother with making a phone call. I'm just moving on and, and taking my business elsewhere. So if your client's giving you feedback, that's actually showing that they want to do more business and that they want better. And they're trying to show you how, so that's the best thing you can do is to ask for that feedback. That's right. They actually care enough to spend the time to tell you how they feel or what they want to see uh, improved with the intention or expectation uh, of having you pivot and continue to deliver services, improved services to them. Exactly. Makes sense. So earlier you talked about triggers. How does that tie into all of this? 
Sure. So the main thing that I, I talk about as far as the day-to-day -day maintenance of emotional intelligence are triggers. Now, these can be people, these can be activities, these can be clients, they could be different types of work. But what they are, are different elements that actually induce some sort of an emotional and or physical reaction out of you. So if you think about um, an individual that you stress out thinking about, but even you haven't even gotten to the meeting with them yet, but they're on your calendar and you're like, oh, I would rather do anything else than go to this meeting because this person is just chaos in a body. That is a trigger. That individual is a trigger. Now that was born of something. So maybe you had some longstanding tension there, or there's anxiety because they don't, they don't communicate very well, but they're, a, they're an individual trigger. Maybe it's the way somebody talks to you. Maybe it's a project type, whatever that is. So if you I can identify those triggers, and one thing I, I highly encourage is taking a daily journal of what your triggers are, good and bad. So this morning on the way into work, I'm singing Prince as loudly as I can, dancing as much as I can. That's a positive trigger for me. Okay, stop. so I know in my uh, which song <laughs> we have to know which song. So I always start with "Baby, I'm a Star." That's my uh -huh. favorite Prince song. Um, <laughs> Kiss, yes, in that octave range, yep. and. Uh, I think the last one was Little Red Corvette. All right. You get a total pass. Those are excellent choices. <laughs> I won't do them now because I want people to listen to the rest of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> but really, it's understanding like, okay, so that was a positive trigger for me. Um, I just had lunch. It was very mediocre. Eh, probably not a positive trigger, but I now know that I'm not going to go back to that place for, for lunch again because it's just not a satisfying trigger for me. Um, individuals that you come in contact with. There are people that I need to be spending more time with that give me a positive reaction that give, that are a positive trigger for me that I need to spend more intentional time on. And so I need to, and I, you know, I look at that and I look at, okay, I need to get to that person. I need to spend more time with them. What's getting in my way. But understanding that that person is a positive trigger now gives me the ability to get to them, to get that positive energy, to get that positive feedback. Or if I have a, a bad day for the rest of the afternoon, I'm going to listen to Prince on my way home because I know it's a positive trigger for me. Mm -hmm. You know, what you're speaking to certainly has a very high degree of self-awareness baked into it. I'm not sure everyone is necessarily uh, ready for that or has nurtured that within themselves. And then you talk about things like journaling and I imagine meditation and various other time-consuming, uh, you know, non-billable activities are required in order for someone to hone their emotional intelligence. So let's speak to the skeptics out there who are already sure. uh, feeling like they've got plenty on their plate. Uh, the idea of emotional intelligence is a little bit intangible for them. And if it's going to require, uh, you know, a lot of self-reflection and a lot of singing in the car and a lot of meditation or other things that may not necessarily uh, be activities they gravitate to, uh, what can you tell them in terms of an impactful application of emotional intelligence? In other words, do you have an example of, you know, a real benefit uh, to someone that might inspire them to be willing to invest this kind of energy? Absolutely. You know, I, th I think the one thing that I, I do want to point out is that most of the activities when you're enhancing your emotional intelligence are little ones. And I always, I always compare it to physical training as well. So if you haven't worked out for years, you're not going to go try to bench 300 pounds. You're going to start lighter and build your way up. Same thing with any kind of interval training. You're going to spend five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. You're going to build up. So you're not going to run into it full force. So those that are skeptical, I say, 
you don't have to go spend 30 minutes a day. You don't have to go spend two hours a day on emotional intelligence or those types of activities. We're all inundated with communication, phone, text, email. Our emails are always on. We're always on. We're always available. We always have communication coming at us. Inevitably, you will see a name pop up in your inbox or on your text or on your caller ID. Maybe it's a high demand client. Mm -hmm. Before you pick up that phone, before you answer that text message, before you respond to that email, before you even open the email, take a deep breath, let your shoulders drop, and then go after it. Because what happens when we see those, those names or that, that trigger, again, bringing the triggers into it, is that we hold our breath, we stress, we tighten up, our, our body physically tightens. So by taking that deep breath, you go into it more relaxed. Don't open the email until you take a deep breath. If the phone rings, take a deep breath. And then be mindful of your tone when you answer the phone. How are you? What can I do to help you? You know, if, they, if they come, they're coming at you, panic with a problem, let's figure this out. Anybody can do that. Any of those activities take a maximum of five seconds. If you could find that five seconds, that it'll make a big impact on your communication and your relatability. Well, all of this comes back to self-awareness, right? I mean, I think a lot of times people don't realize that they're holding their breath. A lot of times they don't realize that their stress level is more elevated than it needs to be and that that is impacting the degree to which they effectively navigate a reaction uh, when there's a triggering client or a triggering event or what have you. I mean, the biggest challenge here is that most people aren't aware of the degree to which their emotional intelligence is uh, not optimized. So breathing is a great way to uh, as you say, reset yourself and be able to come at the situation in a more level-headed frame of mind, but having the self-awareness to even stop the whirlwind long enough to take the breath is, for some, I think, uh, a place to get to. We all get stressed. We all get sad. We all get mad. We all get happy. You know, all of those things, they're inherent in all of us. But by admitting that you can do better on something, it disarms that idealism, uh, that ideal of perfectionism, which hinders so many from going after something like this because they think, well, nothing's wrong with me. I've got it managed. I've got it under control. Nobody is perfect at emotional intelligence. It's always going to be a work in progress, but the improvement that you see is dramatic. Yeah. Well, I am inspired. So uh, I have a, an iWatch and it has an app that reminds me to breathe every once in a while. And most of the time I ignore it. So the next time it flashes at me, uh, Rich Bracken, I promise you, I'm actually going to stop whatever I'm doing and take a breath and then go back to what I was doing uh, and apply some of your advice here. Uh, and uh, I'm going to see if I can get that to happen at least once more a day than uh, it's already happening, which on most days is zero times. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm flattered by the, by the idea that you will remember me, and hopefully it'll be uh, much better than somebody finding you laying on the ground with your eye watch because you've passed out to, because you've forgotten to breathe. So right, right. Uh, I'm glad that I'm keeping you alive, David. Well, this is one of those things, Rich, you know, as I'm listening to it, I'm nodding, thinking, yeah, you know, he's right, and I should be doing this more, and I just get too busy, and I forget about it, and, you know, I think that uh, these are useful reminders for us to go back to some of the basics that we do have full control over, because there's so much in life that we don't. Agreed, and it's it's the one thing that will help you hit any curveball out of the park that comes at you in any given day. And on most days, as we can probably all agree, we have, it seems like 12 curveballs calling all at once. So this is just the best way 
And it's the most universally applicable way to be able to balance those days and to be, be able to have those days that you're more satisfied, you feel more accomplished. And even, like I said earlier, even on the bad days, you feel like it's been a good one because you've gotten through and you're ending the day on a high note. Right. All right. Well, um, share some resources with our listeners today. What uh, can they be looking at, reading, uh, listening to that might enhance their uh, understanding of emotional intelligence and how to apply it? Sure. The the first recommendation I have is Dr. Travis Bradbury's book, Emotional Intelligence 2.0. It's a wonderful book. It's the book that got me into emotional intelligence. And it's it's a wonderful read. It's very applicable, um, very light, but it's so chock full of content. And so for a full encompassing understanding of emotional intelligence, that would start there. Um, if reading's not your thing and you want to take it in bits and pieces, uh, there are a myriad of articles out there. I know Harvard Business Review has done some, Forbes has done some. So there's there's articles. My my podcast touches on emotional intelligence quite a bit. There's numerous podcasts out there that talk about emotional intelligence, uh, peak mind psychology. Um, there's an app called Calm that I'm a big believer in. It's got different meditations um, and different opportunities to kind of unwind, either preparing for the beginning of the day and getting your mindset correct or at the end of the day, being able to unwind. So the Calm app is one that I go to every single day, and I, I can't suggest that one enough. That's great. And where can we find your podcast? So my podcast and everything about me is on richbracken.com. Uh, you can also find the Enrich Your Soul podcast on iTunes and all of the major platforms as well. So plenty of content out there, lots of really fun stuff, but very applicable. And, and I try to tie everything back to emotional intelligence. So uh, take a listen, and uh, I've got some fun celebrity guests coming up soon. So a little little teaser plug there as well. Sounds great. Well, Rich, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts on this topic and uh, helping us understand how it ties to client service and business development. Rich, thanks for your time today. Thank you so much, David. Thank you for listening to the Market Leaders Podcast. For more business development resources, visit ackertinc.com. <laughs>